Welcome to Warriors Weekly. Woo! Hello, I'm Jeremy Bowen. This is Warriors Weekly. Welcome back. We've got a game this weekend. It's nice to nice to have a bit of rugby. We're down at the Dragons at Newport uh, on Saturday afternoon. Kick off three o'clock live on Premier Sports 2. We didn't have a game last week and uh, Ashley was away sunning himself somewhere far away. <laughs> Ashley, where were you? Come on, Good to reveal all. Uh, yeah, I couldn't make last week's recording, but... I was down in the sunny Lake District in Northern England, which was delightful. Myself, Rory Jackson and Ryan Grant, the, the Garden Shed Gin Boys, were down there just for... Uh, we went down on the Monday morning. Uh, Ryan Grant had a, a big six-man tent, so we had plenty of room, uh, just, just the three of us. And uh, we, we were there for the day. A little bit of fishing, uh, campfire, a few beers. It was nice. We were off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so... It's good to get away, get down there. Uh, the weather held up for us as well. We're on this little peninsula on uh, Bassinthwaite Lake, uh, which was a cracking little spot. Um, and then we stayed overnight and then headed back up the road the next day, sort of around lunchtime. So, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, but gutted to miss the podcast last week, but it was a great episode. And what happened uh, with your hair while you were away? Well, I seen DTH's Instagram whilst I was... Uh, well, he was at the World Cup and he inspired me. <laughs> nah, actually, people keep asking what happened. So obviously I've dyed it blonde, similar to you. Um, but I, uh, it was quite a spontaneous spur of the moment thing where my fiance said to me on like Monday or Tuesday last week, she said, oh, you should dye your hair. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't really think too much about it, but I was driving to get a haircut on Friday at my normal spot, which is like a barber shop, so they don't do colour in there. Um, so I was heading over there and I passed Ellen Conlon, uh, the hair salon, and it just popped into my head, oh, you know what, maybe I should go in there and get my hair dyed. U-turn and parked <laughs> the car, jumped in, two hours later I was shining nice and like a, like a bright light. A nice link because um, I've got another blonde here, DTH, Vandam Merver. DTH, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be back and uh, have my little debut on... Uh on your podcast. Yeah, it's great to have you along. Um, um, we need to ask about your hair because <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm the old one out here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, I obviously did my hair in uh, 2011, the bleach hair, and I thought, you know, this is uh, probably my last World Cup coming up, so why not uh, do a little throwback? Uh, I miss my uh, my old teammate, Phil McKenzie, because we're the ones uh, who kind of had the spur of the moment, kind of situation back in Australia and the Gold Coast, you know, you see all the surfers with their blonde hair going for, out for a surf and we're at Starbucks having a coffee and we said, you know, we got the afternoon off, why don't we let's go dye our hair? So uh, that's what we did. That's what we did in 2011 and then uh, this time around, uh, yeah, solo by myself, getting my hair dyed. I'll join you. You know, I think <laughs> the, the more that I think about it, this is what I think's happened. My missus has been on the old Instagram and she's been scrolling through and she's came across <laughs> your account and she's probably thought to herself, what a handsome man. And then she's, she said, I should do it. Must so be the hair. Here we are. She was, happy was with hiding, hiding the greys. Maybe that was what it was because there was a few of them on there. <laughs> so how long are you going to keep your hair like that, guys? Or have you not decided? No, for me, uh, this is probably it. Um, I just, I did it 
I bleached it twice in those last kind of whatever three four months. Um, it's getting a bit dark now. Yeah, it's probably it. just gonna you know shave up the sides for the the white top for a bit, and then after that I'll I'll shave my head probably. Um, <laughs> might be some frosted tips left over, but we'll see how long it gets. I don't know. I've not got any plans. Um, we'll see what it looks like when it starts to grow through. But my scalp was absolutely ringing after it honestly it was like I don't know it must be the peroxide bleach just like makes your scalp all scab up so I don't know if I fancy that again so we'll see alright well um, we look forward to seeing how those hairstyles develop over the coming weeks uh, DTHU announced last week on social media that you're re uh, you've retired from international rugby yeah. was that a, a really tough decision to make um, I think it Probably the tough part will come the day that Canada plays again. Um, right now, you know, I've prepared myself kind of going into this uh, World Cup, you know, for it to be my last. And, uh, you know, obviously everyone would like a fairy tale ending. But, you know, the more I've thought about it, it's just the way the way it is, is that uh, everyone isn't, you know, doesn't have the, you don't have the right to to have that fairy tale ending. And, um, you know, I've had a, a long 13 year career with a lot of enjoyment. Um, a lot of ups and downs in my career, a lot of injuries, a lot of, you know, probably losses that I would have, you know, liked to have changed. And but, uh, you know, I had a great time with with a group of guys, you know, all over the 13 years. Obviously, maybe I don't know how many guys would have been hundreds of guys um, that changed. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. But um, yeah, that's kind of that was it for me. So you scored 38 tries in 61 caps for Canada, all-time record try scorer for Canada. Uh, you were at four Rugby World Cups, 2007, 2011, 2015, and 2019, and played in every single match for Canada at each of those tournaments. Scored in every match for Canada at the 2015 tournament and scored two tries on your debut off the bench for Barbados in 2006. So incredible uh, stats there. Not bad, sir. Yeah, it's... Uh yeah, it's pretty nice to hear the stats, I guess. It's not something you pay attention to through your career. Um, but it's I think when you reflect back and just you know, think about you know, all the tough training sessions and long travel away from your family and your, your partner or whatever, um, you know, all is worth it when you, you kinda hear those stats and um and hopefully I've, you know, <clears throat> made a difference on the field at times when times when, when times are tough uh, for Canada. So yeah, I've very much enjoyed it all. What was the highlight of your international career? You obviously you can't go away from just having your first cap. Um, you know that's very special. Mine was quite uh, quite nice to have my first cap in Barbados against Barbados. Yes. So not many people can say that. Um, and then uh, I only had two caps before my first World Cup. I was lucky enough. I was I was just a youngster then. Um, wasn't probably they weren't probably planning on playing me that much. Um, but the winger that was starting just had a hamstring injury before the World Cup. So um, that kind of gave me my shot to, to play. And, uh, yeah, I played every game that World Cup. Uh, so those are all special. Every World Cup after that is, is special. But I think the game that probably sticks out of my mind most is, is well, my only win in the World Cup is uh, against Tonga in 2011. Um, it, was a, it was a great day for Canadian rugby. Um, I think, you know, I played played pretty well. Um but it's 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 when you when you're on the big stage, those wins are pretty tough to get, and I think that's what makes it so special for me. It was a tough rugby world cup for you in, in Japan, but away from that, how was the the whole experience of, of being there? 
Yeah, I, I can't say enough about Japan and the people, the culture. Um, you know, it's, uh, those people are just embraced the World Cup. The kids, the school visits we did, um, you know, you see kids so excited, like um, ecstatic to see us. But the discipline these kids grow up with is just amazing to see. They, um, you know, they get taught rules and they follow their rules. You know, the, we had one school visit with, I don't know, 500, 600 kids you know, screaming with Canada flags and Canada shirts on. And there's just a, a tug of war rope on the field. And these kids will not step over that, over that rope. It's just there. That's the rule. And that was it. Um, even I guess afterwards it's we're so kind of to set the scene. It's a, it's their sports day, um, with a track around the, around the side, um, gravel kind of uh, track. Um, all the kids are on the inside of the pitch with this tug of war rope. We're kind of standing on the kind of the lanes where people would be running, and then all the parents are behind us, um, behind a rope. Um, and then afterwards, um, like we all greeted all the kids, had a few photos with the kids, and did it actually did a tug of war um, against them. Uh, and then we wanted to have a big group photo. Um, and there's a few photographers there taking the photo, but all the parents are behind us, and we're actually facing infield. But not one of those parents would step over the, the over the over the line to to come and take the photo until they were told now they it's time. It. So it's just amazing just how it goes from from all the way from the youngsters, their discipline and and rules, and um, it's just amazing. And Japanese rugby was clear the uh, the World Cup how much that's developing and coming on, and it's. it's it's, it's huge now, isn't it? Yeah, I, and I think you know, if I on the discipline side, I think that's what makes Japan such a good rugby nation. Now, you know, um, you tell these, well, they obviously grow up with the rules and they know how to follow it. So, you tell in a, in a rugby sense, you you tell them uh, to do something once and they'll do it over and over till you change tell them to change it. So, I think um, it's it's embedded in them. Um, it's such a you know. Um, a culture that just you know thrive on on discipline and and rugby is a huge thing with discipline and and just knowing your roles and I think every guy there knows their role and they they spend their time on on their skill level with the with the Sun Wolves um, has you know has really picked up their game. So, what was your favorite part of Japan that you traveled to? Um, it probably was. The, when we the host the our host town called Nagato, um, so we went down to Japan two weeks two weeks before the World Cup, and the first week we're unofficially in Japan. Um, the city and their mayor paid f for our hotel and and for things ar around there, the touristy things we got to do there. I went on a boat boat tour, went to one of the shrines, um, went rice um, cutting their rice, made sushi. We you know, there's loads of different things that guys did um, in the community, and then obviously the school visits as well, and the cleanup as well. Which yeah, we which is saw. at the end. Yeah, yeah, it was at the end. Um, but I think the city of Nagato was just amazing um, for us. There, the venue that they they put together was literally a portable field that they built um, for um, for the World Cup. They put a um, kind of makeshift kind of gym in there, which was amazing, brand new equipment. Um, and, uh, and now they're changing this kind of training venue into a team. And uh, it was funny that they, they said they only have 14 players at the moment uh, for this team, but I think it's going to be a massive success. Just tell us a little bit about the, the cleanup because it was the typhoon when your, your last game was cancelled against Namibia. 
we we saw these videos on on social media of you guys going and and helping out. Um, yeah, obviously it's a that's a big uh, mixed bag of emotions for myself. Um, you know, could have been my last. Well, could have been a like I said, the fairy tale ending into a, a world cup world cup campaign. But uh, waking up in the morning and. You know, some of the players who weren't playing were was awake still kind of late at night when the the water started flooding a bit into the hotel so they tried to help clean up there and then finally when we woke up in the morning 7 a.m um, and heard that the the game was canceled it's obviously a bit gutting and but uh i don't know exactly how the idea came up but we sat down as a leaders group and decided hey let's go and help out in the village we'd heard there was a few floods at first we thought we we're gonna go to a um uh, where a road was kind of flooded and um, trying to clean up the road. But um, I think obviously the city would probably take care of that kind of stuff. Um, but they uh, registered us all on a you know, loose piece of paper and you signed off that uh, you're going to go and try and help out in the community and, and just go try to help some of the elders. Uh, first of all, clean. we'd split into three groups. Um, we made it optional because some of the boys, you know, just um wanted to just relax and you know deal with the 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 game being called off in their own way so there's 15 of us went out some cleaned the some were cleaning just the roads uh just scraping up mud um but it was yeah it was a strange like this it was like a, a jelly like mud like it was it was when you try to pick it up on the shovel it would just run off the shovel but it would sit kind of like a solid on the on the 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 gravel um and then like my group we went into an older lady's uh, house she was probably in her 80s um living by herself her house is on stilts of about probably two feet up and her house still flooded by like two feet inside so um they have all these uh these mats you know the japanese mats that they put on the floor and then underneath is another like if you can picture a gym like a gym mat um underneath they're gonna the top layer is another layer of mats, so you had to put, and they're all made of uh, straw. So we had to literally carry all these things out of the house. They were so heavy, filled with water. Uh, the fridge was obviously gone with being in the water, and um, some furniture and clothes that she couldn't put up high. Um, it was quite sad seeing because uh, some of the stuff uh, you see was obviously her, probably her deceased husband's uh, clothes and. And it was just covered in mud, and she was just like, you know, throw the whole drawer just on the because the city actually trucks were just coming through the city all the time, just picking up anything. So you make two piles outside the house, one for um, things to throw away, and one she's trying to try and salvage. So um, she was just just throwing the back of the truck, um, but it wasn't no tears shed. Um, it was a strange feeling. It was just. I think they're used. They're just they're so used to it. You have to put up with that. It's yeah, nice, that's where the tsunami came through and. 2011 i believe it was um so it, it completely wrecked that entire town um just sh i think 998 people died in that town so they, these people are used to natural disasters um but you know for me to see it was it's quite humbling yeah and it doesn't make it any easier even though it happens to them all the time mm -hmm know have to keep you know keep dealing with those it's just it doesn't seem right does it yeah it doesn't seem right but that's the question we asked uh some of the locals there as well like why do you come back to this area where it is so fragile but you know that's their way of life is they um just as like one you have one job in life in in japan you stick to that job you have your, your city and you stay there kind of thing they they don't like to move because it's up in north as well so it's kind of like 
the not wild west but it's just in the mountains it's beautiful like just you know rolling hills and um you to get there you probably go through 40 50 tunnels to go to actually get there because you can't build a road around all these hills um so just go through it it's it's amazing but they've built a massive um 14.5 meter seawall now um but for these people with this unbelievable kind of mountain range and they're back in their backyards used to have a beautiful ocean view now it's a 14 meter um, seawall and they can't see the ocean but that's safety first i guess for them you know they've uh, kind of tried to learn the lesson i guess and after all that how nice was it to come home and see your, your family yeah it was it was really exciting uh Obviously, uh, I'm so happy about you know you have FaceTime now, so at least you can you can speak to the kids. You know, talk eight, ten years ago, you don't have that option. Um, but the kids are so excited to see me at the airport. Uh, even the baby, who's only one now, she uh, was very much a mummy's little girl, and, and now every time I come into the room or I, she'll run straight to me, beeline, and wants a big hug. When I picked her up at the airport, literally, um, she wouldn't let go. And I couldn't even, you know, I spent a little time with the, the older two came running to me first. And then as soon as I picked up the baby, we walked out of the airport and she's still clinging onto me. She won't let go. And we tried to take a selfie picture there and she won't look at it. So she obviously missed me as well. And uh, it's great to be back. And your son, uh, is it Lachlan? Yeah. Yeah. He was your biggest fan I've seen on Instagram. He was just so excited to see you played at the World Cup, wasn't he? Yeah, he's now finally got into his rugby, literally since the time I've left as well. So uh, he plays up at West. Um, he loves his rugby. Um, watched, you know, Jill would keep him out of school when uh, when I was uh, I was playing, and he'd watch it. But uh, I must say, the f- his favorite thing probably is the haka, and <laughs> and it's all three now. The baby. If I just say haka in the room, she just runs around making funny noises and trying to stick her tongue out and just kind of wide wobbly like a duck with her legs. So, no, they've they've really kind of embraced it from afar. You know, watched as much as they can, and um, but it's yeah, so great to be back now. And how good has it been back at the club? You've been back here training for a few days. Nice to see some old faces and some uh, some new ones as well yeah that's probably the biggest panic for me is all the young faces because i'm not very good at names <laughs> training today you're asking the coach who's that guy yeah. who's that guy <laughs> i try and remember one person's name every day um, but i forgot today's guy already <laughs> um yeah it's great to see some of the young guys come through obviously um um this club is you know we pride ourselves on on using everyone that's in our squad you know 50 odd guys and and all these young guys will get some great experience playing with with the warriors and it's just you know builds a, a great future for the club so um and then it's obviously good to see some of the older faces still around kicking and and keeping people humble and and, and the ball rolling here well i guess the international guys are all the way you looking forward to pulling on the warriors shirt at some point again yeah, I can't wait. Um, it's been a long summer with with Canada, but um, and that's now all in the past. So my focus is purely on, you know, giving my best best for the Warriors and um, and just enjoying my rugby as much as I can. The latest from Scottsdale Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast. The next home game is against the Southern Kings on Friday, the first of November. Don't miss this crucial Guinness Pro 14 match. 
Tickets are available now from glasgowarriors.org. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast. Right, let's talk a bit about uh, the last game and the next game. So we uh, beat Cardiff Blues. Uh, it was a tight, tight match, Ashe, in the, the last match here at Scotstoun. And uh, now it's Welsh opposition again in the Dragons this weekend. Yeah, it was good to, to obviously get that win. Uh, vitally important after a couple of losses. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to stand us on good stead moving forward. Um, you know can be easy to sometimes get into a little bit of a rut after a couple of losses and, and, you know, for that to continue and build momentum. But, you know, I think the most important thing, regardless of uh, how pretty it was, you know, we managed to get the win in the end. So, um, you know, we were pleased. It was a step forward. And, uh, you know, we had a few days off last week and um, we've, been, we've been training pretty hard this week since we come back in, a couple of contact days in a row. So hopefully we'll take that momentum into Dragons down there this weekend. Uh, but again, it's, it's a difficult place to go and play, so we'll need to put in a good performance. Yeah, I was going to say that Rodney Parade's a really tough place to go and I've had a lot of close games with them over the years. Yeah, um, I think... It you know their fans are just as uh, as wild as probably ours here. But um, what makes a the difference there is just the way this. I think the stadium's built. It's right on top of you. You know you feel like the fans are right in your ear. So um, you know, get a hostile environment there. Um, and sometimes you know conditions aren't great down there. But I think um, we're pretty lucky to play them this early on in the season. You know the summer's not that long gone, and the field will still be in pretty good shape. Um, in the past years, you get there in December, January, February, and it's a it's a mud bath. So they've got the new pitch as well. Oh, do they down there? So see, so yeah, I've not be been better. down there for well three four years. We last year, did we? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be good to play on that. I, I remember oh. a couple of seasons ago, it was like a sand bath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Like come off that field and the old uh, knees were cut mm. because of the, yeah, sand, the sand and stuff. So yeah. I'm sure that will make a big difference to the quality of the game. So I think the pitch is, is a bit like BT Moneyfield pitch. Oh, is it? Now oh, is it's it? a kind of half and half. So well, That's good. Uh, that's so good to hear, yeah. Yeah. And um, obviously we've got the, some World uh, Rugby World Cup semi-finals this weekend and some cracking games to, to look forward to. Uh, England, New Zealand and uh, South Africa, Wales. I don't want to call this, but... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's um, you know the the teams that looked the best so far is 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 in the in the semi final. Um, I don't think we've probably seen the best out of Wales yet. Um, you know they've they've played some good rugby, but it's not the best rugby so far. So you know they'll be a tough uh, opponent for the for the Springboks. Um, and you know New Zealand, England. Um, that's a game that's going to be oh, what a cracker. Um, New Zealand, I think, is next level, but. You know, if there's a team that's going to knock them off, it would be England. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be you know, a good Friday. It was a Friday game, Saturday game? Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. So I'll be glued to the TV for that. Yeah, I'd, I'm the same DTH. <laughs> In terms of how I think it's going to go, I think the Springboks will win against Wales. But then I honestly don't know what's going to happen in that, that England-New Zealand game. Mm. I would love to see England win, and that sounds terrible from a Scotsman. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I think I, I quite like to see the underdogs so sometimes shake things well up and shake things up. Yeah. And and I do think they're the England team are in good form. And with the All Blacks, obviously had a, had a cracker of a game in the quarter. So yeah, it's going to be a great game. So putting you on the spot, who's going to be in the final? South uh, Africa, England. <laughs> South Africa, New Zealand. Okay, I'll see how we get on with those predictions. 
This is Warriors Weekly. Okay, we're going to finish up with some quick fire questions for you, DTH. We we put out a post on our Instagram last night just asking for questions, and we got hundreds and hundreds of them. So uh, we've narrowed it down to 32. you're going to have to be quick. Quick ones. <laughs> quick. Oh, oh. Just quick, quick. No, right. no thought, just go straight into it. 32 questions. And, um, right, let's let's go for it. Ready? Yeah. What does DTH stand for? Daniel Talifer Homan. What is your favourite try that you've scored? The try against Italy in the 2015 World Cup. How do you get faster? Practice running every day. Well, every week, just trying to get to your max speed. Which other winger and fullback would you love to play alongside? Brian Abana. <laughs> Retired. <laughs> what, um, who's the best, uh, hardest player you've played against? Uh, Gorgotza, uh, the Georgian. When your rugby career ends, uh, what do you tend to do? And we know this one. But Firefighting. Firefighting. Um, what, uh, what is your best moment playing for Canada? Uh, winning uh, against Tonga in 2011. What got you into rugby? Uh, it's a way of life in South Africa, so I started playing when I was age four or five. Uh, who's your closest friend in the Warriors squad? Tommy Seymour. Is there a possibility for you to stay in Glasgow after 2020? I'd love to. <laughs> did you always play in the wing or did you play other positions? I uh, started off my career at uh, 12, um, and then it wasn't until I moved to Canada, I moved to f- fullback actually, and then... Uh, as Sean and Nino moved me to the wing at we're Glasgow. We were talking to Colin Gregor last week, and he's, he's played every position in the back line. So, yeah. uh, most versatile player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favourite Rugby World Cup memory? Yeah, it's probably the same probably one. Probably the same one, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is your favourite memory from your rugby career? Um, Anything? Prob- oh, probably my first cap for Canada. What is the best stadium you played in? Uh, Millennium. Do you have any tips to make it into professional rugby? I think enjoyment's probably for me the biggest thing. Is uh, everyone develops a different uh, different rate, and everyone's careers start at different ages. So I think enjoying your rugby as much as you can, and um, you know when you have a smile on your face, you're hopefully playing well as well. What motivates you? My family. Who is the fastest player in the Warriors squad? Rory Hughes. Um, I don't know it used to be Hoggy probably Um, who do we have Tommy maybe or is Robbie Nern Robbie Nern must be up there he must be up there rapid Uh, what's the best thing about playing for the Warriors Uh, it's just my first first club that I I became professional with and uh, you know I love the city and and the people of Glasgow what's the best part about competing at the World Cup well, just testing yourself against the best in the world. It's obviously um, the pinnacle of, of world rugby, so yeah, that must be it. Would you rather have a match-winning try or a game-winning tackle? A uh, match-winning try. <laughs> if you were to play in the forwards, what position would you want to play? Uh, flank. What is the hardest thing about being a rugby player? Um, Monday, to f- Monday to Friday training. Agree. <laughs> If you Which I don't do too much. Of. <laughs> you don't, do you? <laughs> if you could play another position, what would it be? Um, earlier in my career, I'd say probably thirteen. But if um, now, I'd, if I was better skilled, I would love to play ten. Which teammate has the worst fashion sense? Darcy. 
your most memorable game for Glasgow? Uh, winning the the Pro 12 in... Um, yeah. 2014-2015. Um, what do you think about the new club badge? Uh, it's grown on me now. Um, I'm really enjoying it. What brought you back to the Warriors? Uh, Dave. Um, but no, I just things didn't work out for me at uh, at Newcastle. And, um, you know, Glasgow was home before that for six years. So uh, we knew this is a place we'd like to come back to. Why did you choose Canada over South Africa? Um, well, I immigrated with my family to uh, Canada and uh, didn't see myself ever moving back to South Africa. I think the opportunity of living in a country like Canada is just amazing. And um, yeah, so kind of changed my allegiance to, to Canada. Uh, one word to describe your experience at the Warriors. Fantastic. Funniest person in the Warriors squad? Ooh. Adam Ash. <laughs> No, I know. I had to uh, say that. Who's, who's, um, um, funny. Who's Nico? Nico, Nico. very funny. Yeah, yeah. Nico. And finally, what sport would you have done or enjoyed if you weren't playing rugby? Uh, golf. Me too. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> golf. Something with no contact. <laughs> have, you, have you got a handicap? Uh, no. <laughs> Eleven. <golf> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My golf swing. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. Thank you, DTH. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Ashi. Uh, and we'll be back next week, Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Uh, please leave us a review and we'll read some of them out. Uh, Warriors Weekly available from all the popular platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify. Uh, and don't forget, we're here every Tuesday at 5. Till next time, bye for now. Arigato Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.